When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. is an award-winning journalist, editor and best-selling author with more than three decades of experience writing about women's lives and parenting in national newspapers and magazines. She's a mum of four and the co-host of the popular podcast Postcards from Midlife. Lorraine is the former editor-in-chief of Sunday Times Style, my favourite magazine of all time, Elle and Cosmopolitan and also regularly appears on national TV and radio talking to women from all walks of life. Her new book, What's Wrong With Me, is out this month, published by HarperCollins. Lorraine, a huge welcome to Self Care Club. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thank you very much. I hope I can be helpful and useful like um, the rest of your podcast is. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's sweet. <laughs> well, you, the, the book you will. was very helpful and useful, I found. Good. Thank you. I'm on the... Uh, I'm on the I'm on the cusp. That's the word I'm going to use. So, Lorraine, tell us a bit about your new book. What's it about and why you wrote it? Well, it's called What's Wrong With Me? 101 Things Midlife Women Need to Know because what's wrong with me was a phrase that I started to sort of utter to myself every day when I was about 47, 48. I just couldn't work out what was going on I'd kind of held it together until that point as a kind of working woman with um, children and lots of stuff going on lots of interests pretty happy loved stress wasn't that bothered by anything you know fairly easygoing quite perky and then suddenly I wasn't suddenly I I couldn't sleep I was completely overwhelmed I my head was full of really dark horrible thoughts I was worried about everything um and I couldn't remember anything and I you know I got to a point where I I got in the car and I couldn't remember which side of the road to drive on so I assumed I had a brain tumor or something awful was happening to me I was waking up covered in sweat every night having really awful nightmares and then I had a panic attack on my doorstep on the way to work it was just the most bizarre feeling and I just thought this doesn't feel right and it's such a onslaught of lots and lots of different things my joints were aching I was confused I was upset and I was filled with this horrible rage and anger which is not like me at all and I just thought well maybe I'm broken you know I've just done so much stuff and you know I started working at 16 when I left school in Cornwall and I thought maybe it's all just caught up with me and this whole I'm just full of toxins and I had a load of mad ridiculous ideas and I was had a load of strategies I thought were helping but were probably sort of making me feel more burnt out and I thought well I'm a journalist I've written about women and for women I will start to find out what's going on and when I investigated it I found out I was in the middle of my perimenopause which is the 10 or so years before the menopause when your hormones are fluctuating wildly and you know estrogen is petrol for for the female Mm. body it really helps you function properly and as it fluctuates or decreases all sorts of things are off it's very very individual for many many women and you know it took me two years to get prescribed hormone replacement therapy and within a month I was better and I just thought that's not fair wow that can't be right I can't let women go through that without telling them what that's about and you know and I so I it for the book 
I interviewed lots and lots of experts. I interviewed lots of women from very diverse backgrounds about what they'd gone through in midlife and also drew on the people we'd interviewed on our podcast, Postcards from Midlife, where we'd kind of come to the conclusion we kept saying, all these women are so open and honest about what they're going through. And then we realised no one had ever asked them before. So, of course, they were talking about it because women in midlife are invisible in in kind of media these days. Mm. Oh, you just made me go cold how come it took two years to get prescribed the hrt well i had to go privately in the end so um you know obviously i'm a journalist and you know at the beginning of my career i was a news journalist so i'm trained to be a proper investigative journalist and i covered many huge news stories i had front page stories on on big newspapers so i thought i'm just gonna investigate this and just find out what's going on so I spoke to Dr. Louise Newson, who, I mean, I guess sort of four or five years ago when we first spoke, was beginning to, she'd written a book about the menopause. She is, I would say, the leading menopause guru in this country, but I've spoken to lots and lots of doctors now about this and cancer experts and neurologists. And what I was learning is this hormonal fluctuation, it, you know, it causes over 40 symptoms in the, you know, in the perimenopause. So I just thought, why is this not being, you know, there's a real reluctance national newspapers to cover negative stories around women there's a lot of medical gaslighting that goes on I'd been to my GP twice and the second time I'd been offered antidepressants and I just looked at my family history and thought there is no history of depression in my family um we don't you know it may well be useful for some people I absolutely understand that but I just thought I I had friends who'd been offered antidepressants and taken them and not enjoyed the experience. And I thought there must be, this doesn't, (laughs) there must be something else going on. And I then went back to the GP and said, look, I really do think I need to look at hormone replacement therapy. I've done a lot of reading on it. He referred me to the female doctor in in the surgery for some bizarre reason, as if she would be trained differently from him. (laughs) And she prescribed a dose so low it would have made, I mean, it was a bizarre dose because when I took it to Dr. Newsom, because I was writing a piece about this, so I went to see Dr. Newsom to write a piece. She said, that won't make any difference, that dose you've been given. So, and as we know, with dosage of HRT, you have to vary it. It's bespoke. You have to test it yourself and make sure it works for you. And then it took me two years to sort that out and also there is a lot of shame among women in talking about falling apart unraveling and I found a lot of pieces where women had started to talk about it and been really shut down by the medical profession and I thought well then this just doesn't feel fair you know and and at the same time I was noticing some books coming through on publishing lists um, about it why women can't sleep the Ada Calhoun book was coming out and all sorts of things were bubbling up and you know obviously Gen X we were reaching a place where we had gone through it and we were thinking ah that's what it was we better share this because it's that's what we do as a generation I have to say the generation before us the boomer generation didn't share it no because they were ashamed because they were confused and because they thought it would make life works for them you know they wouldn't get jobs they wouldn't be kept in jobs you know the ripple effect is quite big so it's a bit of a feminist ramp but you know any which way you look at it we have not been supported by the medical profession Mm. agreed and I had my own experience of exactly that a few weeks ago, yeah. didn't I? And I, I said to Lauren, I came out of that gynecologist's office and I said, I feel like I was totally gaslit. And also I'm now at that place where my issues haven't gone and I felt like she made me feel so small. She also offered me antidepressants. I said to her, there is nothing depressed about me. I'm, I'm a very driven, happy, contented woman. I'm just telling you that I am really struggling and she said, she just gave me absolutely no other option. And But I was sent on my way. I felt rushed, hurried out of her office. And so this is a very, 
very real problem. And I do feel a little bit like, listen, we've got all of these wonderful books now and thank God you're doing the work that you're doing and you have a festival coming up and it's going to be covering all of these types of topics. So we do feel much more supported. So thank you for that. Um, tell us about your festival that's coming up in a few weeks. Well, uh, Postcards from Midlife Live is uh, on the 19th and 20th of May, Friday and Saturday at the Business Design Centre in Islington. And we're really gathering all the guests we've had on the podcast. So we've got Ruby Wax, Patsy Kensett, Sadie Frost, uh, Julia Samuel, Louise Minchin. We've got lots of celebrities who began to talk about their midlife journey, really against the tide, actually. And they talked to us two or three years ago, so early on. And also experts, we've got Dr. Louise Newsom, we've got Professor Tim Spector, we've got Dr. Rupi, who's coming to talk about his cookbook. We've got loads of people, we've actually got over 95 speakers. Amazing. So there'll be workshops, panels, talks, um, and also we've got shopping and, you know, cake and things like that and tea. <laughs> and we've got a little um, bookshop, uh, which will have all the books relating to the issues of women in midlife as well. So if you want to get one of the best-selling books, um, you know, Davina McCall's book will be there, Dr. Naomi Potter's book. So it's just gathering it all together in a kind of lifestyle festival really so that women can come and be guided really and sort of think about how they want to spend their second act because it's a really magnificent stage of life once you've sorted out the kind of emotional physical side of it you know I am fitter I am healthier I am happier I'm more stable I've got this ability to say no to things that I don't want to do anymore mm -hmm. I just feel mm -hmm. like midlife is is drawn up as something quite distressing um, and we're told that it's natural and we should just go through this well that's ridiculous when actual fact we could be helped and everything on the other side is brilliant I interviewed a lot of women over 60 for my book and some women in their 80s to look retrospectively back on what they'd been through and they said midlife is just phenomenal it's just an amazing release and you can start completely again in a very different place you can end up in a different place after you've been through whatever you go through and you do learn to deal with it quite well. You learn to cope and you learn to be okay if it's not okay. Mm. And all of that is there, but you do need to sort out the perimenopause and menopause and we do need the medical support. There's a, an argument that the menopause and perimenopause is natural and we have to absorb what we go through. Childbirth is natural, but I yeah. would say it's the most highly medicalized um, thing I've ever been through four times. So that's rubbish, that argument. And if we talk about it, then it displays a weakness, which means we're not employable, et cetera, et cetera. Again, that's rubbish. That's a side issue. Women uh, over 50 are the largest growing part of the workforce. They're phenomenally experienced. They're really skilled. They can multitask. We just need a little bit of support getting through. So employers just need to address that as they would any disadvantage or any experience that their workforce goes through. Yeah. So it's just really thinking, I think, about it. And things are getting better. We are talking about it. You know, I'm here Davina and Dr. Naomi Potter have had their book at number one. I think it was number one for 18 weeks. Now, if wow. you'd said to me four years ago, a book about the menopause would be number one for 18 weeks, I'd have said, don't be ridiculous. It has been. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we are speaking about it and it is getting out there. And Oprah Winfrey had a big, did a big special on the menopause a few weeks ago in America. So it's beginning to filter across the world, I think. As it should, because it is going to happen to 50% of the Everyone. population. Yes. And uh, mm. it's unavoidable. So yeah, <laughs> we should be talking about it. Yes. I wanted to talk a bit about this I am fine, I can cope mentality that our generation have and this myth that I think we were all sold about sort of having it all and being it all and I wondered what your 
thoughts were on this because from the outside it very much looked like you are you are a woman who had it all and did it all an amazing career and four children and did that come at a cost to you I think it did I think you can feel overwhelmed in midlife because so much is going on your children are are being leaving home your parents are getting ill you may be going through divorce you may be tackling all sorts of health problems and you may have worked incredibly hard up until that point and had my generation gen x we had a a real sort of endurance mindset yeah we felt lucky to be where we were so we felt we had to make the most of it we were seeing all these messages around us you you can have it all you can be a ladette so you know get as drunk as men have as much sex as men allegedly we're having we were bombarded with such conflicting and confusing messages I think we took it as do it all and actually what we failed to see I guess and we failed to talk about enough is that society is been constructed by men and it works particularly well for men and it hasn't adapted or changed for women to be in the workplace to be in education longer to stay in work longer to do the same jobs as men to be paid the same as men so it just hasn't adapted and we're working within a system that doesn't work for us so you know even with um health you know all the stuff around heart disease is the biggest killer of women yeah wow over 50 yeah now we are twice as likely as men to get it. All the testing on heart disease is on men. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not making that No, but that's, that's, that's that says it all, doesn't so, it? Says it all. <laughs> you know, my, my friend lost her mother to a heart attack a year ago. Her mother went more than once to the doctor to say, I'm having chest pains. And the doctor told her it was anxiety. And I just oh, thought if she yeah. was a man presenting with chest pain, she would have had every test under the sun to check her yeah. heart was okay. She isn't here anymore. And, 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 and it is, it, it, he should know as a doctor, it's the biggest killer of women and yeah. investigated that. And no one did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, there's a piece in the Times today about it. It's really, really shocking. Yeah. So it's against us. Society is against us. And when we saw and heard have it all, we, we, I think we heard do it all. And what men didn't do in the volumes that could have been helpful was help us. So mm. they just watched, stood beside us or waited for instructions on how to help us, which is not really helping. Having <laughs> to do instructions for someone else. I mean, even the most liberated and, and you know, kind of engaged of, of men and, and employers didn't help and there was no flexible working. So I think, you know, it wasn't set up for us. So it made it very difficult. And as a result, I think a lot of women, certainly a lot that I interviewed, and as I say, from all different backgrounds, social workers, A&E nurses, you know, people in from, from different, different ethnic backgrounds from myself, we were burnt out mm. <laughs> by whatever route we'd chosen. And, and burnt out, we were just overwhelmed and we weren't taking time to care about ourselves mm. from a both a mental and physical point of view I think because of this endurance mindset and I don't think the generation behind us have it and I think the generation ahead of us didn't have the double pressure so we're in a slightly unique position actually yes we are I agree with that what would you say to women in their 20s and 30s now about how to sort of navigate things better than perhaps we did or do well or I do. think you know my eldest daughter is nearly 21 so um that Gen Z and um, millennials I think they have a much kinder uh, view of themselves mm-hmm. I think they take a moment to think is this what I want to do will this be more stressful for me you know what what how does it affect me to do that and I think we were quite um 
we were sort of rule breakers, but we kind of weren't. We wanted to deliver and, and be the best we possibly could because of all the messages and because it was in, for a lot of us, it was inside us to make the most of those opportunities. But I think the generations behind us are much softer around that. And I think self-care, which is, you know, it's a slightly contentious word. I think looking after yourself has become more of a priority for women. I think we've looked at role models now and we think, well, actually, do you know what? <laughs> that those women are telling us things which really resonate with us, all the kind of books that have been written, all the kind of Elizabeth Gilberts, all of those people around us, whether they're in your world or not, their messages is rippling out, I mm. think. And people are beginning to think, you know, maybe I should stop at four o'clock on a Friday. Maybe I should take a moment for myself. Maybe doing nothing is is okay for the next uh, 20 minutes or so. I think that message is is getting through. And I think employers are beginning to think about it's not in terms of pay for women but in terms of what people need to keep them in the workforce because we need to keep people in the workforce yeah absolutely they they absolutely are my husband has given his employers a self-care day once a month which I think is absolutely brilliant he doesn't take it himself which I'm on at him about but he really does see he's in the event industry they burn out very very quickly Mm. 80 percent of his workforce are women and he just wants to Look after them. Plus, he's got me in his ear all the time about self-care. So I think that helps. Well, it makes economic sense, doesn't it, to keep your workforce as healthy and happy as possible so they can be as effective and productive as possible and also really enjoy the job. You know, it's, it's you know, sense of purpose is the big driver, isn't it, for many people in what they do. So I just wish it was more prevalent, actually, this idea of helping people and, and letting them ask for what they need at work. Yeah, We've done a lot of work on that, how to have a difficult conversation, how to have a work-life balance. How to say no. How to say no. All of these. I think that's really important because women tend to find it, certainly, I mean, I don't find it difficult to say no, but that might just be my neurology, but women tend to find it really difficult to say no without giving a reason. You don't have to give a reason if it doesn't work for you. And they also have a real um, conflict avoided because it's not, you know, we see it as conflict, but in many ways it's not conflict. It's just having a difficult conversation. And there's this ripple imposter syndrome thing that that I encounter again and again and again. And it's meaningless imposter syndrome because, you know, an imposter would mean that you're not supposed to be there, that you're guilty of something by being in the wrong place. You're not an imposter it's just how you view your place there and I think a lot of women in my generation really felt that's what drove them this sense that they weren't allowed or didn't belong which is very unfair Mm. Mm. but we've paved the way for the next generation a lot more so all of our hard work is allowing the next generation I hope to feel a much bigger sense of belonging would you say I don't think they'll put up with it I just I, I think our hard work is one thing but I think They just won't put up with it because it won't be what life is about for them, hopefully. Great. Good. Good. We like to ask all of our guests what they do for their own self-care. So we're going to turn that question to you. Are there daily habits you have that keep you grounded and calm and what are they? Well, they're called, um, I interviewed the therapist, Julia Samuel, for the book and we had yes. her on the podcast and she's actually coming to our live she's show. And great. she explained to me the idea of regulators, mood regulators, sort of small habits that you find specifically work for you. So this is, it works for me, it may not work for other people. I swim, I learned to swim when I was in my late 40s and I love cold water. So I swim at least twice a week in cold water. It's, I don't know what it does. I mean, there's lots of studies being done now, but it makes me feel great for about two days. Wow. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah, no, I've, it's, it's like taking, it's like being injected with something amazing. It's fantastic. So it, that's how it affects me. I absolutely love it. I also get up a little bit earlier than everyone else. I have a big glass of water every morning, which I think makes a difference um, to how you feel hydrated in the day. I found yoga, which I had resisted. In fact, I'd written a piece on what a ridiculous idea yoga was and um, <laughs> in writing that discovered how amazing it was because, I don't know, call, it, call it stretches call it whatever you like it sounds like a really sort of privileged middle class thing to say but you know you can do it free on youtube so you don't have to go anywhere to do it but i found the breathing element element of that really really took about six months and then i just clicked in and it mm. really regulated my you know if i was very jangly and pent up and ridiculous of a morning i could do 20 minutes of yoga yoga with adrienne on youtube and i would feel much much better and i'd be able to regulate my moods more clearly and i think you know the biggest thing and i've done so much research is sleep if if you don't do anything get sleep because that's where your everything is being rebuilt that's the thing i think sleep and there's a lot of you know nonsense around sleep and rituals and things but you know sleep is the most important thing for women in midlife it is the restorer and it's the thing we lose immediately with perimenopause symptoms so that's it's kind of the ripple effect from no sleep is really dangerous I think um, yeah, I guess that's it and also I think the other thing is my friends we mm. did we don't there's a lot of research on loneliness being a killer yep. of everybody it really does make you very unwell as you age if you're not connected so I started to make lots of new friends and I just talked to people I talked to people when I was swimming I talked to people on Instagram and met them I talked to people I met at book um, festivals where I had my where I was going with my first book a parenting book and I began to open up and be slightly softer and more vulnerable and ask for help of new friends and I found that incredibly nourishing and I know a lot of people on our private Facebook group which we have with the podcast say well I can't make friends it's embarrassing it's you can you just have to open up a little bit and be less you have to stop telling yourself all these stories you've told yourself all your life I'm not this I'm not that I can't do this I can't do that you just have to think well I'm curiously see what will happen today it may work it may not but I think friends Female friends are on the absolute. I speak to my female friends at least two or three times a week, properly speak to them on the phone. I do this thing called the eight minute phone call. So you say, I'm going to ring you, text and say, I'm going to ring you for eight minutes. Just have a quick catch up. I used to think there's no point unless you can have a great long call. And actually, eight minutes is a really long time and you can have a brilliant catch up with people. I've, I've had the most emotional phone calls in eight minutes. So it keeps you very connected. Mm. So that's it, you know, water, swimming, sleeping, connected with your friends. That's pretty solid. I mean, you could almost host this podcast. You really could <laughs> if you're looking for another one. <laughs> I think when you go to unexpectedly go to a very dark place. Yeah, you do. A, and you're a journalist, you do a lot of research to find out how you can get out of that very dark place, because you don't want your children to see you there. You don't want your husband to see you there. And you don't, you're of no use to anybody mm. if you're in a place where you can't seem to help yourself. And I think the sense that there is a way out by adding small things in, not doing massive overhauls or reinventions is that was kind of what I wanted to get across in the book. You don't have to reinvent yourself or rebirth yourself in midlife. You can do very tiny things that will help you, help you make you feel better. It is, it's a great book. It's very engaging. It's very vulnerable. It's very open. There's a lot of, I loved all the stuff about Empty Nest and yeah, really enjoyed it. Thank you. For uh, people listening, how can they get more of your work? Where can they find you? Well, I am, 
I'm all over Instagram. I love Instagram. I'm very chatty on Instagram. So I'm at Lorraine Candy on Instagram. The book, What's Wrong With Me? 101 Things Midlife Women Need to Know is on all the places you can buy um, books. Bookshop.org is a good place because it helps uh, indie bookshops. And um, I'm on Facebook occasionally as well. And you can listen to our podcast postcards from midlife, which we are on season nine, which has just started. We just got Andy Oliver on. She's amazing. Um, yeah, that's that's where that's where you will find me. I do have a Substack which I'm review, reviewing at the moment, so that will come out again soon. And just a reminder, your uh, festival is on the 19th and the 20th of May. Is that right? And people can yes, find... it's 19th and 20th of May, 10 o'clock in the morning, and you can book tickets at from uh, postcards from midlife live co uk. So, um, and we have an Instagram account at from at from midlife which is just about the festival we have our own instagram account postcards from midlife as well where we put details and ticket lines great can't wait we're coming we can't wait we can't wait thank you so much for being part of the self-care club it's been an absolute joy to speak to you thank you Motherkind podcast explores how to feel happier, more confident and empowered in your motherhood, even in our world of pressure, judgment and comparison. I'm your host Zoe Blasky and every week I speak to an incredible expert to share actionable steps and powerful lessons to living your life as a mother with more joy and unapologetic confidence. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, just search Motherkind. Motherkind.